This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined as always by our fearless leader. She's playing hurt a little bit today. She's got runny nose, cough. I don't know what she's got, but she's Taylor Estes, the managing editor of Horns 24-7. Taylor, you're playing hurt today. I am, Chip, just a little bit, but I'm going to power through, so I'm going to apologize in advance if I am sniffling or I sound like a 95-year-old smoker that's been smoking since they're 18 years old. So, but we're going to we're gonna make it through because there's a lot to talk about on today's flagship podcast, Chip. How are you doing? Well, before we get to Lincoln Riley leaving OU, what that means for Texas, Brian Kelly going from South bend with a team that still has a chance to get into the college football playoff uh but he's like deuces i'm off to baton rouge where do you stand on neti pots (laughs) okay so i'm personally i used to have some of those uh i think it's like a, a spray bottle that i used to have and nobody likes to do it i never really did it because i don't I don't know if this is too much, but you know, you have to like tilt your head and let it drain out the other nostril. And it's just, uh, I, I get kind of gaggy a little bit when things go down like my throat that I don't want them to go down. So I know that's what she said. Right. But <laughs> I'm kind of like, eh, I, I don't know enough about them where you're pretty big on them though. Right. Yeah. I, I don't enjoy them, but I swear by them because mm like three rounds of neti pots. And if you have no idea what we're talking about, um, they're, you know, Neil med, the little saline bottles, you squeeze the saline solution in, in one nostril and kind of runs into the other nostril, but that saline dries up all the, all the crud that's, (laughs) that's causing you problems. So yeah, I'm like devout. As soon as I have any kind of sinus infection or any kind of, uh, stuff that I'm hacking. I'm all about the neti pot. So we'll leave it there. I may need Just, to go grab one right now. <laughs> yeah. Or get the <laughs> Neil Med. You can order that on Amazon. It'll be there. You know, it's like eight bucks or something. Yeah. Um, there you go. There's your health tip of the day from the flagship podcast. Now <laughs> on to the craziness, the insanity. And Taylor, I can't tell you how many people texted me this week and said Texas fired Herman a year too soon look at all these you know coaching candidates and their willingness to move well listen Brian Kelly was willing to move a year ago right like if Texas really wanted Brian Kelly they could have broken the bank for Brian Kelly Brian Kelly uh, who is the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame history has 
been yearning to go to a school where he doesn't have to have all the academic restrictions. I mean, Notre Dame's a lot like Stanford from a, from a, you know, student athlete admission standpoint, Notre Dame doesn't bend on, on test scores and this kind of thing. They have a higher standard for student athletes to get in. Brian Kelly is like, I mean, what he's done is pretty amazing. I mean, three college football playoffs in the last four years, but when he gets to the playoff, he gets trounced by sec teams who recruit these great athletes from the South who want to stay close to home and don't want to go into the winter. Plus, if you've ever been to South Bend, it once you get off that campus, it is like the white trash capital of Midwest. <laughs> no offense. I'm from there. So I, I was going to say, not, you're allowed to say it. Yeah, you're from the Midwest. So. <laughs> I'm just north of South Bend in, in Southwest Michigan. But I, my dad had a restaurant and I had to go to South Bend to get restaurant equipment. And I'm driving in there and I'm like, this is a dump. Mm -hmm. until you get to the Notre Dame campus and then you hear the angels singing, you see the golden dome and all the lush green grass and beautiful trees. But outside Touchdown, of that campus, Jesus. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Brian Kelly's done like amazing stuff. I don't blame him, but we'll get into that. Taylor, the bigger story obviously is Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC. And it's, it's interesting uh, because obviously Oklahoma has in Texas, have announced that they're going to the Southeastern Conference. So everyone's like, huh, Lincoln Riley doesn't want or doesn't like this move to the Southeastern Conference. And I would just say this, he loses his games in Texas. You know, think yeah. of all the games he plays in Texas and his ability to recruit Texas kids. He's got 46 kids. I think 26 of his two deep are from Texas at OU. And man, if he doesn't have all those games in Fort Worth and Waco and Lubbock to sell to these kids and their families, it gets hard to recruit to Oklahoma or harder. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, a, a lot harder too. I mean, obviously, you know, I think that there's a lot that goes into this decision. Um, obviously money has to be part of it. I think OU would have done anything to keep him. Um, but you know, you're right. It's like, you know, USC is not the USC of the early 2000s. USC is not the USC when Pete Carroll took over. When USC was that, they could have recruited all across the country. And they have done a, you know, a pretty decent job of getting a lot of Texas transfers. I think that has a lot to do with the coaches that were on Clay Helton's staff, Chip, with uh, Todd Orlando, Craig Niver, Brian Carrington. Um, you know, they had the prior relationships there, but they lose that. And you're right. I mean, this is going to be an interesting uh development i think that texas fans that could impact texas in a substantial way of where these recruits start looking you know it was it that they wanted to go play at ou or was it they wanted to play for lincoln riley and now you know as you mentioned you don't have the the sell of hey uh i know you're leaving the state of texas but you have games against you know texas in dallas every single year you have games against tcu uh baylor texas tech i mean you get to have your family be in a, a situation where a lot of it would be drivable distance for them to see you play. That's totally not the case anymore. Um, I mean, I've made the drive from, uh, well, from Texas to, uh, 
uh, Southern California. And I'll tell you, it is a beat down. Like I will, if I ever move to California, there's no way on this earth that I will ever make that drive. I will pay someone whatever they want it to do it for me because it's awful. So, you know, it's definitely something that I think. Did you um, go I-10? Yes, I-10. Yeah. And it's There's just, a lot of barren stretches on I-10. Yeah. And the worst part is in Texas. Like you, you, I remember when I drove here for school, I literally got into Texas. I was like, yes, finally I'm in Texas. And then 11 hours later, I'm like, oh my gosh, kill me now. Like, this is so bad. So yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see kind of what shakes out from the recruiting part, especially I think right now with with uh, Lincoln Riley going, you know, to USC, but it's, it's an interesting situation. And I think it was a surprise. I mean, you know what, after the um, last game, he talked about, he was asked about the LSU job and he made it very adamant, like I'm not going to be the head coach at LSU, but and he'd been, you know, hiding the fact that USC was the one that he was going to. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's the crazy time of year right now. And the coaching carousel is spinning off the rails, I think, Chip. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a surprise because no sitting coach at OU had ever left for another job since 1946. Jeez. So Oklahoma, which has, you know, it's a top five winningest program in all of college football with its history of Heisman winners, Barry Switzer national championships and, and all that you either, you know, retired or got fired at OU. You didn't leave OU on your own. And so this is where it gets interesting. Now, um, look, Lincoln Riley is, he's from Mule Shoe, Texas, but he's no, He's no dummy. I mean, he knows that his offense and and heck, he's got a five-star quarterback or had a five-star quarterback, Malachi Nelson, from the L.A. area committed in the 2023 class who has since decommitted and will undoubtedly show up um, at USC. But... Lincoln Riley can go to USC. He can recruit California as the premier program and, and recruit nationally right? and have all that right in his backyard. I mean, the 50 mile radius, you know, this you're from mission Viejo. You went to high school where Mark Sanchez went to high school within a 50 mile radius is where Matt Leinert, uh, Reggie Bush went to high school. The, the talent, you know, Carson Palmer went to your high school. I mean, the the talent is rich and mm-hmm. he's only got to compete against Brian Kelly at UCLA in the LA area, UCLA. And Chip Kelly's just a weird guy. Yeah. I mean, he destroyed uh, the teams that he touched in the NFL. He's finally getting it going a little bit at UCLA, but come on. Um, yeah. So, and it looks like Bill Biedenbaugh the offensive line coach at OU will go with Lincoln Riley to USC. Bill Biedenbaugh, one of the best offensive line coaches, and Lincoln Riley's version of the air raid, which it isn't even really the air raid because they do run counter and power as their sort of bread and butter running play. It's a very physical version of the air raid, if you will. So I get it. It's yeah. a it's a shocker. And now we have to wait and see who Oklahoma is going to get to replace Lincoln Riley before we decide 
Oh wow! Did Steve Sarkeesian just move up a notch in the in the Big Twelve pecking order? Did he is one obstacle out of the way now? Texas has a lot of obstacles right now, but I mean, part of the reason Steve Sarkeesian was hired at Texas was a because I mean, if you listen to the people in the in the know, UT brass, because he had experience in the SEC and Texas was you know, aware that they were going to be headed to the SEC when they hired yeah. him last January, but also offensively to match wits with Lincoln Riley. Yeah. And now Lincoln Riley uh, is off to USC. So who's going to come in to replace him? Is it Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, whose team is right in the middle of the college football playoff, which um, I would think he would say, I'm not talking about this until – my team is done. Unlike Brian Kelly, yeah. who, you know, if Oklahoma state, you know, loses or Michigan loses to Iowa this week, Notre Dame could be right in the middle of that college football playoff, but he ain't going to be coaching them. Um, so, you know, could it be Luke fickle? We've heard Brent Venables, the former defensive coordinator under Bob Stoops at OU, who's been with Dabo Sweeney at, at Clemson, uh, winning, winning big, Mark Stoops at Kentucky, he's built Kentucky into a solid winning program in the SEC East. Um, you know, if you're looking for family ties, all that, Bob Stoops, who's going to be the interim coach for OU uh, for their bowl game. Um, it's going to be interesting. And does OU think it needs someone with SEC experience or Matt Campbell. Yeah. Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Does Matt Campbell, you know, go in conference and say, and we're recording this on Tuesday of uh, Tuesday, November 30th. So all of this could be totally outdated by the time you're listening to this podcast. But uh, as of right now, we're waiting to see who comes in to replace. Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, because that's not an easy job, Taylor. Bob Stoops did an amazing job, and and Lincoln Riley sustained the success. Um, but you're going to have to recruit a lot harder without those games in the state of Texas. You're going to have to recruit the state of Texas a lot harder um, to get those, those kids out of the Lone Star State uh, to go to OU without all those games you know, in the Lone Star State for their families to come see those kids play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and as you mentioned, yes, we are recording Tuesday. So this could be, you know, they may announce a hire, who knows. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot on the table right now. That, although, Chip, if you think about it, that's going to be a challenge for anybody um, that comes into OU because Texas know you are going to the SEC. You know, I think that um, that honestly kind of opens the door a little bit more for other schools in the SEC to poach some talent in the state of Texas because they will at least have one other game. But that hurts a program like Oklahoma, I think, more so than anything because there's unknown right now. And, you know, talking about Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops, what they've done, you're right. This is not whoever comes in. The expectation is going to be win right now. And, you know, there's been a lot of players that have entered the transfer portal since Riley's departure. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler's in the transfer, uh, finally, officially in the transfer portal. I think he unofficially Texas drove him there. It. Yeah, I think he unofficially uh, entered it at halftime of the Texas OU game this year. But yeah, there's definitely 
um, a lot on the line for OU. And it's going to be, I think, a challenge for whoever comes in. I mean, that the expectations I feel like at Oklahoma are going to be similar to the expectations at the University of Texas. And sometimes those expectations may not be attainable, but if you take the head coaching job at the University of Texas, you know the expectations are gonna be high and they're gonna be win and win now, win now and win big. And Oklahoma has been able to at least sell that. You know, they've been able to win big and win consistently um, for the last, geez, pretty much 20 years, you know, uh, dating back to when Bob Stoops was hired there and took him to the national championship or won the national championship. That was his first year, right? When that happened. Second year. Second year. Yeah. So yep. that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been a, a consistent, you know, 20 year span almost of OU being at least consistently, you know, good. Whereas there hasn't been some ups and downs like at Texas. So you wonder how much of that's coaching. You wonder how much of that is the, you know, the history, the track record, but there's no denying that whoever comes into Oklahoma not only has the, you know, uphill battle kind of of um, the, you know, replacing two very good coaches, but doing so and having the pressure to win immediately. And as Steve Sarkeesian is learning and as Tom Herman learned and as Charlie Strong learned, as uh, Mac Brown learned in his later years, if you don't do that, you know, at Texas, a place like Texas, you're not going to be around. And I think that's probably the same type of, uh, of mindset that the OU brass and fan base really has for whoever comes in is, is win now. Yeah. And think of this, Oklahoma, um, their last, well, their last two coaches were coordinators. Bob Stoops mm -hmm. was the defensive coordinator at Florida when he was hired at Oklahoma. It was a, it was seen as a interesting hire when it was made, but obviously two years into his coaching tenure at OU, it was seen as a brilliant hire by OU athletic director, Joe Castiglione, who is not afraid, obviously, uh, to go on a separate path. He is not, well, I, I'll say that, and then he'll go hire Luke Fickle. Um, but, you know, Scott Woodward at LSU, who gave Jimbo Fisher 10 years and 75 million at Texas A&M and is now, um, according to my sources, I know the, the contract number for Brian Kelly is 10 years, 95 million. I hear it's over a hundred million because his, his uh, incentives are so attainable. Uh, so, you know, I think Scott Woodward's trying to keep his colleagues from coming down to Baton Rouge and beating him over the head with, with, you know, whatever they can find baseball bats, whatever, because the guy just keeps setting the, you know, he keeps breaking the mold for these coaching salaries. And, and then you think about Mel Tucker at Michigan state, who's done nothing outside of this season. And what is it? An eight and three season getting 10 years, 95 million too. So remember he's the guy who left Colorado um, after doing, you know, okay. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> great season this year, Michigan state, whatever, but the salaries are, they're unsustainable is what they are. And, and so it's just, uh, I don't know. I'm not mad at the coaches. Some, I see these columns that are saying, you know, Brian Kelly should be seen as a pariah. Okay. If, if you want to call him a pariah for leaving his team, as they're on the precipice possibly of going to the college football playoff. Okay. Uh, you can say he's schmarmy and I guess he, you know, like the news was out 
maybe even had contract terms for him at LSU before apparently he sent a message, a text message to his team. He didn't even meet with them personally, uh, which is, uh, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't blame these coaches for no. And Brian Kelly, if you've been, you know, kept your ear to the grindstone has been looking around for the right job to where he can go and not have to put up with the recruiting restrictions at Notre Dame and, and trying to compete with Nick Saban on his terms, on Saban's terms. So, okay, we're going to, we're going to see that. Yeah. Um, but the one thing about this Taylor and Joe Castiglione has had a great track record of hires, not only in football, but basketball, you name it, you know, Texas fans are like, finally, Oklahoma's going through some of this, you know, this turmoil and change that we've been going through nonstop since 2013. Um, now let's see what Joe Castiglione comes up with, because again, he's not afraid to, to make an outside the box type of hire. Yeah. And what, what was it that wasn't it rumored that LSU offered Lincoln Riley 12 million, 10 year, 12 million or 10 year contract, 12 million guaranteed. And OU was willing to match it. So it's, you know, I think that maybe kind of hurts Joe Castiglione right now because the news out that they were willing to match that whoever comes in there, you know, they're going to be de demanding a lot of money that may not be worth it, you know, and, and you, you're right. You know, Chip and I were talking earlier on the phone before we uh, recorded the podcast about these unsustainable type of contracts that these coaches are getting. And I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't blame them. Are you kidding me? Like if, if I, I don't, you know, Lord knows what, um, Lincoln Riley is going to get paid at USC. It's a private school. So it's going to be difficult to get those numbers, you know, detailed unless uh, they're announced some way. But I mean, I, as somebody who lived in Southern California, I have no desire to move back to Southern California, but you bet your bottom dollar that if someone offered me, you know, upwards of $120 million to go back, I would, it would take me one second to leave, you know, and, and I love where I live. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't really blame the coaches. I don't like, I agree with you. I don't like the Brian Kelly, uh, the way it kind of went out. But um, obviously, you know, when you have that type of figure and, and you know, goal, I guess, uh, if you want to call it that, then it makes sense to leave. Just, you know, the fact that he didn't talk to the players is kind of BS, in my opinion. But it's a it's an interesting time right now. And I think that, you know, you look at these these figures that you're talking about, and then you compare it to what, Texas gave Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, these are almost, these are double, right? That what Sark's contract is. I mean, so I, I kind of understand why some Texas fans are like, wait a minute, we could have got these big dogs, but who who's to say they're going to work out? I think the one that's going to be the, you know, probably the best case scenario is probably going to be Riley at USC, because if he can get that thing building, but you're saying like, they're going to, when you, you know, they're going to get whoever they want. <laughs> like, you know, it's, if, if USC is good, it's going to destroy the Pac-12 uh, competition, just like it used to when it was a Pac-10 with Pete Carroll. But there's no, I there's a lot of uh, what ifs I think right now. And I think one thing is kind of funny, Chip. I saw um, some like very outspoken Texas fans on Twitter uh, tweeting like about um, like stop, you know, people being like stop tweeting about like Oklahoma, stop tweeting about these things for like. Uh, you know, to other Texas fans, but it's kind of like, actually, it's probably a good thing that the eyes aren't on Texas right now because <laughs> Texas was in shambles. And now OU is going to be into a situation where 
they're, you know, kind of scrambling um, with this last minute change. So it's like, actually, maybe you guys should enjoy this because Texas, remember, is going to be at the Sofa Bowl come uh, December <laughs> and these other teams are not. So maybe keep the focus on other places, especially your rivalry or your, you know, main rival in uh, in the state of question. I think, you know, if I'm a Texas fan, I'd be celebrating that right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be uh, fascinating to see what Notre Dame does as well. Obviously, Matt mm -hmm. Campbell, uh, that's a job he covets. That's a job uh, Urban Meyer has coveted. A lot of big-name coaches have coveted that job because of the history, the tradition, everything. Uh, it's sort of the, the Mount Everest of college football, but Brian Kelly, who is the all-time winningest coach at Notre Dame, not Newt Rockney, not – you know, Era Parsegan or Dan Devine, Brian Kelly mm -hmm. is walking away from Notre yeah. Dame. So it's uh, it's a crazy time right now, and it's not getting easier uh, to coach in the age of the transfer portal and the age of uh, NIL earnings uh, from student athletes. You you again, you have to know exactly who you are as a coach, have absolute belief in your process because you've got to cut through so much BS uh, to get these kids to hone in and focus on the goal uh, these days that it's uh, that it's something. Um, all right, Taylor. So uh, there is news today. Again, Tuesday, November 30th, Delhi, a day away. Uh, a fourth year linebacker uh, is back in the transfer portal. He was in the transfer portal a year ago and mm -hmm. and then uh, decided to take his name out of the portal in June. He played this past season. He didn't play a whole lot, but he played in five games. He had seven tackles. He's moving on, and that's that's not a, a surprise. Uh, the bigger surprise, obviously, was Terrence Cooks uh, getting in the transfer portal, uh, highly regarded freshman who I think the coaching staff really liked, but he was not recruited by this coaching staff. He was recruited by Coleman Hutzler, who's at Ole Miss. And I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Terrence Cooks ends up at Ole Miss. But, um, you know, this is part of the the thinning. And we're still waiting to find out what's going on with DeMarvin Overshawn. Overshawn, initially, he and Deshaun Jameson were not going to take part in the senior day walk um, before the Kansas state game. And then they did. And now, you know, I'm talking to sources who are saying it's 50, 50. Uh, some think he's, you know, he's already made up his mind. He tweeted out on Monday of this week, you know, some of these recruits got me wanting to come back for next season. He's, this is uh this is going to be interesting, obviously, because, uh, DeMarvin Overshawn was the the starter all season at weak side linebacker. Luke Brockermeyer, the starter at middle linebacker. Luke Brockermeyer uh, tore his ACL uh, in the final contact practice of the football season for Texas. Yeah. Um, but you got Jalen Ford. You got David Benda, who played really well in the Kansas State game. And um, you're, you know, you're looking to see what Texas is going to do uh, in terms of the portal at linebacker. Uh, as well as in this uh, 2022 recruiting class. Yeah, well, and Chip, you know, I think that 
when we talk about, you know, DeMarvey and Overshown, I think it's pretty, it, it would probably help him, I feel like, that if he did return. Because remember, you know, he he played safety. I know that the former coaching, Tom Herman's initial coaching staff, they tried to get him to move to linebacker, um, you know, because they were had a pretty solid safety room and they thought it would be a better fit for him. He, you know, turned that down. Then when Chris Ash came in, they did get him to buy into moving to the linebacker position, which was a good move, I think, by Chris Ash and, and Tom Herman. I mean, I got to give them credit for being able to convince him, you know, a guy who for basically two years said no, and then they ended up, uh, you know, getting him to move there. But I think it, it benefits him because he's only, this is only his second season playing the position. He never played linebacker as far as I can recall back, even back in high school. And, uh, you know, even in, you know, his early career at Texas and in high school, he suffered a lot of injuries. So I think his development was a little bit behind even in safety too. But I, I mean, if you're him, when you have this extra year of eligibility because of the COVID year, I mean, you, you got to protect your body, obviously. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that, you know, football is a tough sport, obviously it, it, it breaks down bodies very quickly. And so, you know, your value kind of goes down a little bit. It's not so much as like, say, baseball, where if you if you don't leave your junior year, you're not going to get much money at all your senior year. And um, there's still incentives with seniors, you know, going in the NFL draft. But from a developmental standpoint, I think it makes sense. And I think the same thing for Deshaun Jameson. I mean, Deshaun Jameson has had, you know, he came in as a cornerback recruit. And remember, in 2018, he played receiver. And then and the every other year since then, he's had a different cornerbacks coach. And I think that it would help him, assuming that Steve Sarkeesian does keep, uh, you know, uh, his staff intact. I think it would also help him tremendously because I think it's fair to say, you know, I think to, I think uh, Deshaun Jameson is a very athletic player. I think he um, has so much talent. He's an elite player and he has a high ceiling. But I would say that, you know, this year he kind of got picked on a lot, you know, and and that wasn't the case all the time before. So I think it may help him. And um, it's going to be fascinating to watch how these, you know, the NFL draft, um, the uh, player, you know, why can I think of what the college advisory committee for the NFL, you know, what they kind of um, encourage these guys to do with the COVID year now, um, because that's going to be something to watch. But personally, I think for both of those guys, it would benefit them to return. I don't know what your stance. Do you agree or do you think that they should head out yeah i mean um with overshone he's not had a full off season the last two years because he had co the covid remember he was one of the last kids to come to campus like he he did not come in for the summer workouts um he was working um mm -hmm. helping to support his family back in arp in east texas so he which got is awesome to, for him too which is way. awesome for him but yeah. it he wasn't in the weight room. He's a lighter guy, obviously having made the move from safety, he's got great speed. He's got great lateral quickness. He'll test really well. He should do really well at pro day, except when he gets on the bench. And the thing that the NFL looks at is, can you get off blocks? Mm -hmm. You know, can you get off blocks? Because, uh, in the NFL, you can't go around guys. You have to engage and disengage. Right. And make the tackle. And and then this year he had the shoulder injury surgery. So the offseason, he wasn't getting stronger in the weight room. And and now he has a chance 
to get stronger because remember he was like at 217 last year they listed him at 223 this year but you know when you stand next to him he's he's wiry yeah um so i don't know where they would play him in the nfl honestly yeah. because he's not big and strong enough you know i know people talked about isaiah simmons comparisons but isaiah simmons was pretty well put together and 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 a freak, a 41 inch vertical, that kind of stuff. We'll see um, if Overshawn decides to to come out if he can test like crazy. But I think he should come back. Uh, the NFL scouts I talk to aren't crazy about him. I mean, they don't they don't necessarily love his film mm -hmm. this year. They're for all the plays he made, there were a lot of missed tackles, and um, you know, some of that may have been the front of the defense and the back of the defense not being, you know well enough tied together, but still it doesn't matter. The film is the film. And, um, I mean, if I were advising him, I'd tell him to come back. He's making money off of name, image, and likeness. And, um, you know, but we'll, we'll see every situation is different. I agree with you on Jamison. I felt like, again, I felt like the front and the back of the defense weren't tied together as well as it was last year. And, you know, I don't know if that's Pete Kwiatkowski's fault or Terry Joseph's fault, but, you know, Jameson um, struggled a little bit more this year. And this this is a, a secondary that really struggled to recognize pattern match and, and struggled to disguise zone uh, and man very well. But um, he's a he's a return guy mm -hmm. and he can do a lot of different things. So he could go to as go to camp as an undrafted free agent and maybe find enough things that he could do on special teams to make a roster. So, um, you know, at that know point though, it's not really worth it. Right. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, I shouldn't say that it depends on everybody's personal situation. So I shouldn't, cause I know, you know, a lot of like how we talked about DeMarvian Overshone, you know, he didn't in the COVID year, he stayed back to help, you know, provide for his family and work. You know, so I, I don't want to disregard that, obviously, but um, it's it's definitely a risk to go as an undrafted free agent into the NFL because you're not guaranteed anything. And if, you know, he if he had kind of a down year um, that that can haunt you a little bit, too. I mean, athletes are very mental, you know, type of people. And I mean, the the whole thing that that Steve Sarkeesian talks about the psyche of the team and whatnot, that's real. And I mean, I, I'm talking to somebody who has two, you know, professional athletes and my former professional athletes in my family, like when you can, when you get into those kind of slumps and stuff, like they're, they're legitimate, like they can really mess with you and mess with, um, you know, the brain's such a powerful tool. It really can mess with, uh, what you're putting out in the field. And, and I'm not saying that's exactly what happened to Jameson, but there's no denying that, uh, he took a step back and, you know, it's a risky move. If you take a step back in your final year of college and then expect to somehow, you know, not just make an NFL roster, but do enough when you get your opportunity to make start making some of the the good money in the NFL. I mean, it's it's risky because the one thing that we know about the NFL, I mean, the the careers aren't very long. It's not there are very few, you know, forty year olds in the NFL. There's very few mid thirty year olds in the NFL anymore. I mean, it's it's uh, the wear and tear it does on someone's body. You know, can be critical. And a lot of times, I think the average career length is what maybe five years, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I, I remember three and a half. Oh, it's three and a half. Okay. So there you go. And it's like, if you're not making enough money coming out as an undrafted free agent, 
you know, that's going to be um, something. I mean, unless you don't want to play football for a long time, you're the odds are probably stacked against you there where, and I know another season will add more wear and tear on him, but it also can, you know, help him get enough, you know, of a contract to where if he only lasts a couple of years in the NFL, that he could still, you know, live off that, the earnings for a very long time. So, I mean, I, it's a tough, it's a tough situation. I, I always say when it comes to these things, the player advisory uh, or the college advisory committee have their jobs for a reason. And I know Texas has been on the, you know, the bad end of this uh, in recent history, you know, players being told to stay and they end up leaving. It's worked out for some guys. Uh, it has not for other guys, but you know, those people get paid for a reason to assist you. And I've always been, you know, along the lines of listen, if they tell you to come back and if you, are able to do that if you're in a situation where you don't need to start making money immediately. But with NIL stuff, they can make money. You know, you may not make NFL salary, you know, first round draft pick type of money or any draft pick type of money, but you can still make a whole heck of a lot of money. I still, I mean, look at Bijan Robinson, it's a different situation, but look at his Instagram. There's always a new <laughs> paid advertisement or paid partnership. I mean, with, and, and I love that about the, the NIL era. I mean, it just goes to show that this should have been done years and years ago because these kids are clearly worth enough and they bring enough to, you know, uh, these programs that they're, if people are willing to pay that much, they, they earn it, you know? And so it's, it's a kind of one of those, we'll see, wait and see type of thing. When's the, I think the cutoff is January, right? To make the decision. January. Yeah. And, and we should mention Anthony cook, um, who's a senior, um, but has the ability to come back did not walk uh, for senior day. And it does appear that he is going to return and he's, he had a good year. Um, He's a guy who was probably the most physical of the, the members of the secondary made a lot of plays and, and, and can get better. So I think, uh, and Cameron Dicker, that's the one that I'm watching because I think there's a part of Dicker that um, wants to, to come back because he's within range of becoming the all-time leading scorer in UT histories. I think he's 66 points or something from Ricky Williams, all-time scoring record. And, um, and he had a great year. Cameron Dicker had a great year, um, you know, averaging 47 yards per punt, 10 of 12 on field goals and, and handle kickoffs too. So um, we shall see. A lot. Make sure you're over at Horns 24-7 because there's going to be a lot with that. And then recruiting, heating up. The staff's on the recruiting trail this week doing in-home visits with recruits. There's no shortage of information. So make sure you subscribe to Horns 24-7 to keep up on all the latest Texas news. And, and hey, it's probably good news because the basketball team's doing well, too, you know, pretty well. And uh, recruiting still is doing well, regardless of what's, you know, happened uh, with this football season, the coaches are doing a really good job so far on the recruiting trail. So some positives for Texas, you know, we're, we're in the, we're in the holiday mood the holiday spirit here. So we're going to be delivering some positives, uh, hopefully more often than not, uh, just to keep our members at least happy. <laughs> you well, know, a little recruiting, bit. recruiting is, is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And Mike Roach and Nick Harris do a great job. So get over to horns 24 seven and follow it all because with this coaching carousel and, and, Commitments coming loose from Oklahoma, players from Oklahoma in the portal. Uh, this is getting interesting. So uh, those guys are on top of everything. Um, and as you mentioned, Taylor, uh, 
basketball. I, I bet that's going to show up in Love It or Leave It, huh? Yeah, I think it is. Spoiler alert there. <laughs> you ready? ready? I'm ready. Yeah, before we get to Love It or Leave It, we're going to take a very quick break, but stay tuned because we will talk Texas basketball, which is in season, as we know, um, in addition to some more uh, Texas football talk. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you are not subscribed to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, go on over. Go to youtube.com forward slash Horns 24-7. Hit subscribe. Um hit the bell for notifications. We are in the mix of adding a, a limited time type of series for the recruiting side, but the state of recruiting's on there. A flagship podcast, flagship interview is over there. We're in the works of hopefully moving Longhorn Blitz over too. So we're, we're expanding the product a lot. You definitely want to stay tuned there, um, especially with some of these recruiting series coming up. But with that said, Chip, you uh, ready for some love it or leave it? Let's do it. All righty. My first one for you is love it or leave it. Steve Sarkeesian's coaching staff will remain intact this off season. You know, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to leave this. I, I just have a feeling that there could be a couple of um, changes to the coaching staff. I don't have it you know, confirmed or anything like that. And I could be, you know, misreading um, a couple of situations, but I, I think it's possible you could have, um, you could have a change maybe on each side of the ball um, from a position coach. So make sure you, uh, you know, we always are gathering, checking, digging, grinding, and uh, I might have more on this later in the week, but um, I'm going to leave that, Taylor. What uh, What about you? I am going to have to agree, Chip. I'm going to definitely leave this too, because I think we're hearing some of the same things. Um, I think there could potentially be at least one change. Um but again, you know, we haven't really confirmed uh, that. So it's definitely kind of a spoiler, a teaser, I guess, more so than anything else. But I, uh, yeah, I think that I would leave that because I think that there may be at least one change, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, stay, stay tuned. We're not, we don't have anything yet to tell you we're working on it, but um, there's, there might be a, 
There might be something there and we'll, uh, we'll track it down. Yeah. All right, Taylor, love it or leave it. Number two. All right. My second one for you, Chip is love it or leave it. Lincoln Riley took the USC job because he's afraid to compete in the SEC. Um, I'm going to leave this. I think he was afraid to compete in the SEC without having all those games in Texas to sell to Texas recruits. I think he was getting tired of, you know, having to pull recruits from, um, I mean, he did a good job of recruiting Oklahoma, but there's not enough elite talent to go beat, uh, the likes of Alabama with. And, and so I'm going to leave this. I mean, I, I get why he left. I mean, if, if he can go take that offense to LA and be the premier program in a conference that his is way down. I mean, Oregon is really the only program on the national radar right now. Washington just fired its coach. Washington with Pete Kwiatkowski as the defensive coordinator was in the college football playoff in 2016. Um, but you know, Chris Peterson is gone. He handed it over to Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake's been fired. Uh, now Washington has hired the Fresno state coach there's in Washington States, you know, made a coaching change because their coach wouldn't get vaccinated. I mean, the, the pac 12s kind of a mess and who knows what's going on at Arizona state. So I think I get it. I'm not, you know, that's everyone's going to make fun of Lincoln Riley. You know, he didn't want to go to the sec. Uh, it is up for debate how much he was kind of clued in on that. You know, was he consulted? He says he was, he said today, Tuesday, November 30th, uh, you know, on Colin Cowherd that I was consulted. He said, I didn't make the decision, but I was, I was consulted when exactly, you know, that's that will be the debate, but uh, I'll I'll leave that one. Taylor, how about you? I think I'm gonna have to leave it to Chip. Um, I I think I, I the here's the thing. I think that this is going to be a, a mark on his resume. He's not he's never gonna live it down, even if it whether it's true or not. He's never gonna live it down because that's the you know the optics of it is oh okay so. You were all, you know, fine with uh, being the the big dog in the Big 12 conference. And then all of a sudden you go to the quote unquote big dog conference and then you bolt after you've gone to how many straight. I mean, I know they're not going to the Big 12 title game this year, but every year he was the head coach. They won a Big 12 title. I mean, the the outside the, the you know, outside view of it is something that he's just going to have to put up with. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's because he's afraid to compete in the SEC. I think it's more of a matter of the Pac-12. I mean, with college football playoff expansion, assuming that does continue, I mean, it's going to be an easier road. Or if it doesn't continue, it's going to be an easier road. If if that was the if, plan, if, if it goes to 12, yeah. Yeah, if it goes to 12. And even if it, it does not expand, if a USC is one of the top teams in the country, let's be honest, the college football playoff committee has shown a few times now that they're willing to, you know, put some teams over other programs that may make because they make more money. I mean, that's the reality of it. Go back to the first year of the college football playoff when, you know, TCU was what ranked 
uh, I think third in the country and uh, they won, I think what well, it was like 55 to three or something. The last game of the year it was before the big 12 had their big 12 title game. And all of a sudden they dropped to like six. It's like, what, like, how, how does that happen? It's like, oh, because TCU is a smaller school, doesn't have the type of brand that an Ohio state has, you know, or anything like that. And Ohio state that lost to, what was it? Was it Virginia tech that they lost to that year? Yeah. And so they've, they've already shown that money obviously talks. And uh, if USC is good, has a one loss, you know, in the PAC 12, sorry, but that brand is much bigger, <laughs> I think, to than some of the smaller schools. And so they're always going to get in, I think, uh, whether it expands or not, if they're in that situation, they haven't been in that situation. So it is an easier road to that. And I think, um, you know, I don't know if, if they'll win, you know, well, that will be something that he has not done in the college football playoff year. He's yet to win um, a game in the college football playoff. But I do think that that's probably that in an addition of, you know, going from Norman, Oklahoma to, you know, Southern California. I know that this is going to sound like I'm knocking OU or the state of Oklahoma or anything like that. It's not the case. You know, there was reports that one of the biggest reasons that Lincoln Riley gave was um, to set up his daughters better. And the facts show, you know, there's better education in California. There's better, um, you know, job opportunities and, uh, you know, especially Southern California as opposed to Norman, Oklahoma for the future of his kids and his family. So I think that that's probably the real reason. So I'm going to leave it, but I don't think that he's going to ever, he's going to shake that, that whole, uh, stigma, I guess you would call it, of uh, him being, quote unquote, scared to go to the SEC. And I don't, I don't think it's true, but it's going to follow him, I think. Yeah, until he wins, until he yep. wins big, until he beats teams from the SEC. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and he did, I think, oh, you beat up on Florida, right, in the Cotton Bowl last year. So he's had success, mm -hmm. um, but just not in the playoff. All right, yeah. Taylor, love it or leave it. Number three. All right. Number three for you is love it or leave it. The atmosphere at Gregory Gym was better for Monday's students only men's hoop game than it will be for Friday night's NCAA first round volleyball game. Okay. I don't know about that. I'm probably going to have to leave that. But let me, t let me tell you, I went to that, what uh, Beard called the darty, the party that he threw the students in front of the tower on the south mall where they had black alack one of the top uh austin hip-hop rap groups um performing in food trucks everything was free for the students uh i i guesstimated about you know between a thousand and fifteen hundred students were there beard was taking pictures non-stop for 90 minutes uh he and his chief of staff chris ogden and um Brock Cunningham and Dylan DeZue, who fans want to see on the court. Uh, he's still working his way back from off-season knee surgery. He's He was the SEC's leading rebounder uh, last year, and he's yet to play for Texas. But obviously, they're going, they're being very careful. He's got a, a big future, big upside. Uh, and that was wild. It was fun. And then, you know, Beard and and the guys led the students over to Gregory, that three block walk. And then all the students just charge up the stairs to Gregory. And then it was a great atmosphere. Now those volleyball games, 
are amazing because they have the swim team there, Taylor. And the guys on the swim team are taking off clothes as they, as, as they win. It's hilarious. It's comedy in addition to being a great atmosphere. So I'm not going to say one atmosphere is better for the other, but it was a great atmosphere. And I give Chris Beard and Chris Del Conte a lot of credit for making that happen because it is not easy. Um, it's a pain, you know, um, they had to redraw the lines on the court because it's volleyball, not basketball. And in fact, Sam Houston's coach, Jason Hooten, you know, was like, oh, it was it was cool. But there were a couple instances where the players didn't know where the out of bounds was because <laughs> there were so many damn lines on that court. But it was it was a great atmosphere. And and Chris Beard wants to do it again in the future. And I haven't gotten as much response to a tweet as I did when I, you know, showed the video of the team coming out in that tiny, you know, it's 3000 seat arena and fans from schools all over the country started saying, we need to do this in our volleyball gym and we need to do this in our little gym or whatever. And uh, so kudos, Chris Beard, students only. I mean, there were some fat cats sitting right behind the bench. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> course, yeah. uh, probably about mm, 200 or so uh, fat cats in there with all the students, but it was great. And Chris Beard is making good on his, you know, he said, look, we're going to build this relationship with our students, just like we did at Texas Tech. We had a great home court atmosphere in Lubbock. We're going to do it again um, at Texas. And he said, you don't get that relationship until it matters to people and you start to make it matter by building a relationship. So I'm going to leave this, but kudos all the way around for, uh, for Chris Beard and Chris Del Conte for making it happen. Taylor, how about you? I mean, it's kind of hard for me to answer this because I was not one of the people at Horns 24-7 that covered the game. Uh, Chip and Jeff did. So I did not personally witness the atmosphere but I do agree with you about the volleyball atmosphere is just so unique and special that I think I would have to leave it. Um, but again, so I, I feel like your your account of it is good enough to sustain this because I was not there. So it's kind of hard for me to say what atmosphere is good if you're not there. However, I agree with you. I think we, you know, I think it's awesome that Chris Beard um, and Chris Del Conte did this because they they gave like free food out too, right? At the party at the tower and everything. Yeah, I mean, Texas didn't make money on this game. And so, and there was a lot, as you mentioned, that went into it. And I just think it's 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 great to see that Chris Beard is is following through on what he said that he wanted to do and and making sure that the students are involved. And, you know, after their first game, when he invited them onto the court, I mean, it's just, that's what Texas basketball needs. And especially before, you know, Tom Penders has always said to you, like, if, if football's down, basketball better be good. And so getting the engagement from the students, the fan base is huge. Um, and I, I think, I mean, I, you, you mentioned the, what you got in response or whatever from uh, other schools or fans of other schools is I told uh, my husband, who was an A&M fan about it, I was like, did you know that this is what it was to explain the whole situation? He's like, that's awesome. So that's coming from an Aggie. So if an Aggie is saying something, Texas is doing is awesome, then uh, they're doing something right, I think. So, but I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to have to leave it and stick with 
what I know, which is the volleyball atmosphere, which I imagine is going to be pretty intense uh, this Friday when they, they play. What time do they play? Is it eight o'clock central? Eight o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Beard said, come watch us play at the Irwin Center at six, and then let's all walk over to Gregory Gym and and cheer on the volleyball team. So, um, And he means it, clearly, if he's saying that he's going to walk somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. They did yeah, that. Yeah, he's, he's all about it. And, and Jared Elliott's volleyball team, number two in the country, 24-1, and one, made it to the national championship game last year, lost to Kentucky. Uh, but this team is loaded. Logan Eggleston. I mean, my gosh, uh, this this feels like a team uh, that could win it all. And so we'll see that journey for UT women's volleyball again starts Friday night against either San Diego or Rice in the NCAA championship. So um, good stuff. Good stuff. And Taylor, we're we're back on our non-football schedule. So we will have an interview podcast uh, on Monday morning. And yes. we are working that up as we speak. So stay tuned. We always try to get you a, a can't miss guest on the flagship podcast. And, uh, and so Taylor, I hope you feel better. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I hope I do too. And I've, appreciate our listeners for listening to me talk right now because I know it's not pretty been coughing and hacking up. I just saw you wipe your nose like only twice. Hey, and we've we've almost been an hour. So yeah. Hey, I'm doing, doing what I can before, before we recorded, I told Chip, I was like, I might have to use a tissue. Like, how do I do that in camera? (laughs) So like real life. (laughs) Yeah. And go try a neti pot. Okay. I'll do that. I'll have to order some weird, but it works. All right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening in to the flagship podcast for Taylor Estes. I am Chip Brown. We'll see you over at horns247.com. Make sure you become an annual member so you get all the VIP content on every site in the preeminent 24-7 sports network, especially right now with all the craziness going on. Uh, You absolutely want to be an annual member. So. Uh, Until next time here on the flagship podcast for Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and keep the faith.